Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows and I'm the director and owner of Snowpro Ski School based here in Valdilier in Switzerland. Um, talking of Valdilier, there's a massive storm going through the uh, the valley today, um, which I'm guessing is good because if it's raining that much here, it's going to be snowing somewhere. Um, and talking of snow, I'm off to Juvinia on Friday to go and get in my first turns of the season, which is much later than I would normally have liked to have done it. But um, as you can tell by the gap between this podcast and the one previously, um, I've just been so crazy busy with the ski school that, um, that I haven't had a chance to do anything. So, uh, so yeah, that's been, been the picture of my autumn really is running around selling uh, ski lessons to people. And that's kind of what my role in the ski school is these days. Um, so I've been hugely busy with that. That said, I've got one, two, three, four, five, at least five or six, uh, episodes in the can already waiting to be edited and to go out. So, um, not short of material through the ski season. I'm off to interview someone else. I've got another interview next week and one the week after. So plenty of content coming up. It's more the question of just me having the time to edit it. Um, reflecting back, actually, I've just, uh, my accountant just sent me back the accounts for the ski school last year and, and um, got me thinking to this time last year when it all looked very, very uncertain. Um, if a lot of you will remember that we were still worrying about a third wave of, of COVID and whatnot last year, um, that didn't turn out to be anything at all. And it wasn't anywhere near as serious. And I'm hoping that, um, hoping that all of this talk of kind of energy crisis and all that sort of stuff is also going to fizzle out in exactly the same way that the COVID chat did. Um, I'm a little bit tired, if I'm honest with you, of being having you know having the media and the papers and all that sort of stuff just like selling me endless you know fear pornography um i think we could all do with big dose of positivity and just get on with our lives and, and, and start concentrating on having some fun again which will be very pleasant um talking of fun uh so episode 48 features um simon jones now i had a lovely lovely conversation with simon jones simon is originally british but he's moved out to canada a long time ago and he's a permanent resident there now um he runs the um uh, he's the head freestyle coach for the kimberley freestyle team um so he uh, spends his days skiing moguls in the park and, and various other bits and pieces but he also splits his time between um being on snow in the winter and uh, teaching golf in the summer um we had a lovely lovely chat um and this first half so the interview was was quite a long one so i split it into two so you're going to hear a part one and a part two um and in this first part we uh we sort of talked about his journey and uh, how he ended up in in Canada um but we started off uh, because we were having some trouble with technology um as usual and we basically it took us ages to get the podcast started and so that led me into uh, a bit of a rant about a recent trip to the UK and um just the sheer complexity of trying to do anything over there um was just I found at that time completely um, extraordinary. So that's kind of the first thing that you'll hear, and uh, I really, really hope that you enjoy this interview um, with Simon. And uh, and I next time you'll hear my voice will be on episode forty nine, which is part two, and I'll try and get that out uh, for November. Um, enjoy your day wherever you are, and uh, and I very much hope that you will get on snow soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. 
Have we got sound? <laughs> We've got sound, yeah. And I can control it from here. That's perfect. Right, say something again. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm great, mate. How are you? Oh, this is perfect. Finally, I'm really sorry about that. Hey, it's all good, mate. It's all good. I'm really sorry about that. It's like <laughs> just technology, man. Just technology. I'm just... <laughs> You know, I was in um, I was in the UK recently. I think I'm just going right. to start the podcast like this. Um, I was in the, the UK recently, and I got to a place where, like, uh, in my life, where we hired a car, right? From um, we hired a car from the ha- car, ha- car hire center in Luton, um, right? And I got in the car, I could work out roughly how to turn it on. It was like a 2022 Golf, right? Recent model year. Yeah, yeah. Me and my wife honestly couldn't work out how to operate any of it other than that. All there was was like a a gear stick. um, No, it wasn't automatic. Gear stick, two blank screens, and a start button. So we couldn't work out how to use the air con, how to use the blower, like how to change the radio. Like just for three days, we were just fiddling with this thing. It's like... Why is it so complicated? Couldn't it just be? Uh, couldn't it just be that we have, you know, like a a button to do this thing, like in all other cars? Why does it have to be so complex? And it's yeah, yeah, definitely. This. I think they're just trying to outdo each other with how fancy it could be oh, now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's crazy. And then so we then take this car, right? We take this car to to one of the the, the train station car parks. And in Switzerland, yeah. normally you go to a, a parking machine, you put some money in it, get a ticket, and you know whatever, stick it in your car. That's apparently old technology now in the UK. So when you go to the UK <laughs> now, you can't pay with cash at the cash machine, right? Uh, at the ticket machine, you have to download an app, give it all your info, all of this, that, and the other, and pay by card. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. What if I'm yeah. seventy years old? I don't know how to do all that. <laughs> No, but you, you, you're right though, because uh, like my son, he's 12. We got a new car recently, yeah. and uh, same thing, right? I have no idea what's going on. I, you know, I probably need to read the manual, but that that's probably electronic now, anyway. Oh. Uh, within five minutes, he's figured out how to program the seats and got all the stereo, <laughs> everything all done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last one of my rant is that we went to, and maybe this will make you laugh, maybe it won't, but we went to this place called Paradise Wildlife Park, which is pretty cool. It's a little zoo right. uh, in some forest near Broxbourne or something, and took the daughter there, it was great. And we, we kind of, we went there, it was like a Thursday, there was no one there, it was deserted, Thursday in May, yeah. right? there was no one, and it was freezing cold. And <laughs> we walk up to the, like walk through empty rows of those barriers, right? Walk up yeah. to a, a deserted ticket office, there's a girl in there, I was like, hello, uh, we're on holiday. We'd like three people to come into the zoo, please. And, they're, and she yeah. was like, have you booked? I was like, <laughs> no, I'm here. Like, you know, I'm ready to go. Uh, I haven't booked. Can I buy three tickets, please? And she's like, oh, we don't sell tickets here at the ticket uh-huh. counter. She says, you have to book in advance. And I said, like I start at that point, I start feeling like my my dad, right? Like I'm just like I'm just like right, okay, easy, easy. Like, I don't obviously there's something I'm not getting, and I said, but I'm standing here, right in front of you. All you gotta do is send yeah. me a ticket, and I just walk through the door, and we're all good. And she's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You have to book it on the internet, and then you have to show us this voucher. And I said, just so I'm clear, 
<laughs> Just so I'm clear, I've got to go online now on my phone and I've got to book these tickets on the internet and uh, using a card or whatever and then show you a booking confirmation. She's like, yeah. That's like, do you oh, know how God. ridiculous you sound? I'm trying yeah, to give yeah, you yeah. money, right? So at, uh, presumably at some point, some as one has done an analysis on the cost of having cash, right? And the cost of, um, yeah, yeah. you know, the cost of having someone do that and the cost of fraud and people running off with 20 pound notes and all that sort of stuff. And has just decided that this is the way to do it. And irrespective of the effect on the customer, like the unwitting customer who's me, who is there trying to give them 60 quid to go on the stupid zoo, right? To, to, yeah. uh, and, uh, like, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've repeated this story. You know, I don't know what terrible yeah. PR I, is that, I, right? I You'd think even even if you know even if that's the case, she probably could have just done it there and then for you. Yeah, like you know, there's no one know, there. In the or whatever. It's yeah. just me. And like, um, oh, it's weird. So I kind of, although I was frustrated at the time, you know, like you you take away certain lessons from these things, and we're going to talk later about like hospitality skills and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. the process for me being able, you know, for those people to extract money from me in order for me to go and look at the animals. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be as easy as possible, <laughs> and, and the same with the, the same with operating the car, right? I'm not going to go and buy a VW Golf anymore, right? Because yeah, yeah. Because it's too complex for me. I'm <laughs> only 45, right? And and the same thing for buying a buying a ticket at the train yeah. station. You know, it's yeah. just overly complex. No. It's very strange. You know, the same thing applies when you go to England. You try to order a coffee. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but right. here in Switzerland, you go into a cafe and you order a coffee and they deliver you like a perfect coffee. And that's just how it is, right? And that's what you get yeah. unless you ask for something yeah. different. In England, if you go into a coffee shop, they're like, oh, yeah, like, what do you want? And they've got like six million sort of <laughs> options. Do you want it long, short, black, cappuccino, frappuccino, like with latte and other stuff? Like, what? Just serve me a decent coffee. That's all I want. I want simplicity, yeah, yeah. and I'm trying to give you money, right? Uh, it's fantastic, unbelievable. Fantastic. So I'm like sitting there thinking that you're, that you're sounding you're sounding a bit like Victor Meldrew. Oh, there, I know, I know, and it's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. But I don't, I don't want to be that guy, right? But <laughs> the long and the short of it is, it's like it shouldn't be that complex for to, no, to, no. to extract sixty quid from me to go and see the zoo. You know, it should be <laughs> so simple. The, yeah, totally. And, and totally, the same right, you can yeah. apply to ski it's lessons. Gone too, it's gone too far the other way, right? Now, 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 instead of making it easy, it's become it's become too difficult, like you said, right? They've they've gone past that point, right? I think yeah. so. In and and I don't really understand to what end that serves. All it serves is to frustrate people like me who don't understand how it works. Yeah, yeah. And you think of somebody that's probably even older than you, right? Then it's just not, they're not even going in, are they? Yeah. No, well, they could they couldn't, right? What if a, what if a pensioner came along and, and they had to say, "Oh, here you go, dear. How are you going to do?" It? And she's got no idea how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Not a chance. It's yeah. because yeah. I, you know, and I take from that. I was like, great, that's brilliant because that's a really good lesson from me for all these people that 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 ring me up and want to book ski lessons and stuff like that. So I want to make it as easy as possible. Just tell me what you want. Leave the rest to yeah. me. I'll sort it out, and someone will invoice you later. Right? It's not. Yeah. Don't worry. It's all booked. Yeah. You don't have to worry about anything. It's a really good lesson for anyone who's in business. It's like you think that you're adding this complexity to serve the client's needs better, but actually they're yeah. all just really pissed off. 
Yeah, it's it's like well, I think I think I mean, look at it. We go we'll go deep already. I mean, think what it is. People are trying to cover so many bases now, right? Mm, mm. Between all the different things that people could have, whether it's allergies, different complaints, you name it, right? Yeah. And then you end up you end up with a product now that's that that's trying to like cater for too many things, right? Mm, mm. I think so. What's it like in Canada? Do you have that? Has that come there yet? Or, or... I mean, it's not, yeah, I mean, it's not quite as bad. I mean, I think things are still, like you said, it's still a little bit more straightforward. You know, you go in the coffee shop, really, yeah, you've kind of got four or five options. That's about it, really. So, yeah, yeah it's not quite as intense as that. Uh, you, you know, I think even dropping down into the States, it's a little bit crazier. But no, no, I think we're, we're still pretty relaxed here. You okay. know, this is the... This, this being a ski town, um, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it's not quite uh, as crazy as it could be in the city, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, talking of talking of Canadian things, I was in, um, I was in Veve yesterday. They do every year. They have, um, they have something called the Street Food Festival. And they have like little little shacks and you know vans and street food and all that's so from all these different countries. It's crazy. So I ended up eating like Iranian and Canadian. So they had this big. The first one I saw was like a stand, and it had. Um, forgive me if I butcher the, the the pronunciation, but they had a poutine stand. Are you there? Oh dear, have I lost you? Oh no, hang on. Hello, mate. Are you still there? Sorry, buddy. Yeah, sorry, mate. Look at us, God. Hey, we're doing well. Yeah, you know, I, I just is. Does this sound okay for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're good. We're good. Oh, perfect. You know what? I've gone back onto the laptop there because somebody just called me on my phone and it cut you off. Oh no! no. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we're not having a listener. We are having terrible luck. Like we, we thought. I've had two calls since since I picked this up. Uh, we also couldn't work out how to work out Zoom. And yeah. the Zoom was going, it had rooted itself somehow onto a different microphone uh, circuit. Is that the right word? God knows. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, I don't know. We, I think we're there. Yeah, we're like, like two, old, two old boys in the <laughs> care home here, mate. Just we are. Yeah, it's <laughs> disgraceful. Um, anyway, the point was, is that, um, I can't remember what I was talking about. Oh, you were saying about Canada, yeah. Yeah, so, so the, we had the Street Food Festival and... Um, <laughs> and so the first stand that we had was a poutine stand, right? It was like a oh, yeah, yeah. oh man, that is like the I it's like crack for me, you know. Like I'm a <laughs> sucker for that dirty, dirty food. And if you haven't had it, listener, you should definitely bring it into your life. There's a Canadian guy in Champery who runs a runs a kind of burger shack, uh, Burger Joe in Champery. If anyone knows it, and he does a poutine, but he does it with like pulled pork on top, and that is that is oh. just filthy, dirty food. It's so good, and it's just yeah. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. I, yeah, I think I think the pulled pork one's pretty tough to beat. I must I, admit, yeah. Man, like yeah, we've got a yeah. we've got a local uh, brewery here in the next town. And uh, they they literally have a full uh, I'm gonna say 12 14 options of poutine on the menu oh, you know man. to go to go with the beer as well so yeah. yeah pretty deadly I would be so fat if I lived in Canada <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, oh, so, yeah definitely uh, uh, definitely a bit of a treat for sure oh man yeah tell me about it anyway right so I want to know how you ended up. Because I've got your backstory, right? I've got it. But tell, let's let's tell the listener. How did you end up in Canada? Because you're not in Canada, Canadian. right? I can tell from your accent. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, originally born in Liverpool uh, and then moved more into the northwest. So if anybody knows, sort of Frodsham, Hellsby, that area there going towards Chester. Mm-hmm. And uh, our high school teacher um, was fanatical about most sports, but uh, one of them was skiing. And, uh, yeah, uh, went, went on a couple of ski holidays and thought, this is just fantastic. Uh, you know, I still remember, I think the, the first couple of instructors that we had was in Austria and, uh, you know, at the time thought these guys were just so cool. And uh, I guess that, that, that kept a lasting impression uh, on me. Our local dry slope was Runcorn Dry Ski Slope. And if, if anybody's been there, it's probably about 100 yards, uh, typical dry ski slope. Uh-huh. Um, you know, definitely uh, wasn't cash, cash rich by any means. I think we had the old style um uh, den decks before even the uh, the new stuff came in. Yeah. Uh, but you know, thought it was amazing. Uh, you'd go from the top to the bottom. Try not to uh, uh, leave it too late to stop, otherwise you'd end up in the car park. <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, you know, as most kids do, we we all try to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess just fell in love with it. Went went uh, went for several years. Um, always kind of stayed with stayed with the skiing. Um, and then you know, uh, real life gets in the way then with. Uh, uh, different jobs and things and actually uh, I was uh, doing a lot of golf at the same time as well became like an assistant pro uh, uh, golf mm. around the same same time um, but again uh, just decided you know what there wasn't enough money uh, in, in those sports at the time mm. uh, went and got a real job uh, for several years uh, working in software uh, industry uh-huh. and uh, dur- during that time got got back into uh, got back into the skiing uh, in a big way, and um, decided, you know what, really, really, uh, you know, if I if I had a dream, it would be to to teach skiing, to teach golf, um, and uh, the job I had at the time it was entertaining people uh, playing golf, so that kept the golf game in, in good shape. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And um, I had the luxury of uh, being able to work remotely even in those days, um, so decided to go off and do, uh, at the, in that day, it was the Basie Foundation first. I oh, yeah. remember that. Uh-huh. Uh, so when I did that, um, and, uh, you know, when you look back now, I was just looking through some of your pod- podcasts. Uh, Phil Smith was uh, was the instructor for that. So oh, yeah. not a bad guy to get yeah, into yeah, the Yeah, Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that was pretty pretty awesome, and uh, actually met a few people on that course uh, that that uh, that I stayed in touch with, um, and um, then went and did uh, what was then the Basie Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gareth Roberts, do you remember Gareth Roberts? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, and then I think a few of the other people that have appeared on your uh, podcast. I was just looking to hear who did you have on recently? Uh, well, Peter Cool, I think oh, I met yeah. him years ago. Wow. Uh, so I enjoyed listening to that podcast. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, a lot of the guys that, that, that you, you probably grew up with, um, were part of that. Then I think in those days when we was doing the Bayesley three, mm. uh, you had to do the ski module and then the teacher module. And it was pretty much a who's who of, uh, Bayesley in those days. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think maybe like Giles Lewis, those guys, they were there. Yeah. Um, Mo, I don't know if I can't remember his last name. Now, yeah, Mo probably know them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty inspiring in those days to see all these guys that yeah. had uh, uh, you know come through the system. They all had their own ski schools in various different parts of Europe, um, and uh, yeah, so definitely got into into the Basie there in, in a big way. 
Mm. And uh, went and did a few interskis, uh, you know, when they were bit, when they needed uh, more instructors at Christmas time and Easter, yeah. just to kind of test test my foot in the water and see what I felt. And uh, again, you know, I had a great experience on those trips. Um, really, really made me think, you know, what that this this would be the life. And uh, one of the one of the years that I went and worked, uh, got gone on really well with the guy that was running uh, the ski school for inter ski out there. And he was retiring, and he said, you know, I think you'd be great to take this job over from me next year. So uh, I go home, um, say to the wife, I think we should pack up and go, <laughs> go become a ski instructor in Europe. She thought I was nuts at the time. Uh, but the more and more we thought about it, we, we were kind of getting engaged with it. We both fancied uh, to do something different. We both we both had had successful careers in the UK, yeah. and uh, you know we're happy to to have a challenge. We always talked about working abroad, um, and then at the same time, um, I kind of convinced her that if we were going to go and work in Europe for the rest of our lives, that we were probably unlikely to go ski in North America. Mm-hmm. So. So I persuaded us to go on a holiday to Canada. Okay. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, we, we went out there. And this, uh, this was kind of during the same time where I was thinking of going back to Italy to yeah. kind of uh, explore that job. I'd also gone for a job interview in the uh, in the Pyrenees for a ski school there. Okay. Um, we go to Canada, just fall in love with the place. You know, we're going to probably touch on the customer service, but, mm. you know, we've gone for years of ski holidays where you're fighting with everybody to get on the bus to get to the resort or yeah. whatever you're doing. You know, we get out there in Canada, you know, I still remember the day, you know, we're standing outside the hotel, this beautiful luxury coach pulls up, guy gets out, puts my wife and my skis on the bus. We get on the bus and she's like, wow, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> and, and that was really our, our kind of taste of it. You know, no cues, no lineups yeah. to ski these beautiful mountains. Everybody's so friendly. Uh, there's no language barrier. And uh, we kind of looked at each other and said, well, why wouldn't we make it here? Yeah. Um, so uh, a guy that I'd met uh, uh, on one of the Basie courses, he moved uh, uh, to Banff as well at the same time. Uh, he put me in touch with a ski school there. They were like pretty much, yeah, you could start tomorrow. They At the time, they really loved the idea of having uh, people from lots of different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that was a no-brainer. And, this, and then uh, applied for a job at the local golf course uh, in Banff in Canmore as well. Same thing. Yeah, we'd love to have you. And uh, honestly, it was. Uh, it sounds very simple now, but yeah. it really was as easy as that in the day. I guess the biggest challenge was, was making that leap. I remember just going home, telling both sets of parents that we were – we're moving to Canada, and I think they thought we were having some kind of breakdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, uh-huh. they couldn't understand what the hell we were doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, that was, uh, where are we now, like 18 years ago, I guess now. Yeah. Was that, uh, that predates, presumably, because it's quite hard now to get, like, working visas for Canada. You have to be under a certain yeah. age and all that. So, so I presume yeah. things are a little bit easier then, no? Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, you know, we actually got in on a last student work visa kind of program, I think, before uh, before we were too old. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and again, yeah, 100% that, uh, you know, it's changed changed a hell of a lot now. Uh, in those days, um, you could get we could get a two year visa mm-hmm. um, through an employee. So uh, with both my wife and myself working, we just go on each other's visas all the time. And, uh, and it was really very straightforward in those days. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And and are you Canadian now? Are you that you nationalise yourself? 
Uh, you know, it's funny. We're just in, we're just in the process. I, I'm thinking by the end of this year here now, we should get we should get the official ceremony. Some friends of ours who applied a few months before us have just got in. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, so we've been residents uh, for quite a while, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're we're on that process. I think it's it's something we've always wanted to do. But again, as you as we're kind of talking, it was quite a difficult process in the past. Mm. Um, you know, one of, one of the things with COVID, which was good for something like citizenship, is it's all gone online. It's a lot more straightforward now than it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Um, cool. Cause I'm, yeah, because my um, my Swiss nationality has just come through actually, um, right. which is really really cool. And that was yeah, that's been a very long time. You know, it's taken a long time. A lot of paperwork, a lot of kind of tests and all that sort of stuff, which is. Um, yeah, it's reassuring, but uh, it's um, yeah. it's worth having, and I'm quite proud of it to be honest with you. I kind of I feel, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel more at home in Switzerland than I do in the UK. That's for sure. Um, yeah, and I think I think we're you know we're the case, we're that case for sure. You know, our son's got both passports, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's still a part of Jason Bourne in me that thinks it's pretty cool to travel with all these different passports. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I but uh, no, I think uh, it's just peace of mind, and you know, I think you know, I think like you said, right? You, you've integrated yourself, uh, yeah. you know, into the country, into the community. So yeah, I think it's just a natural thing to to get done, and then, and then you know, and, and you never have to worry about it again. That's the other thing, right? Once you've got it, you've got it. Yeah, no, that's right. And so you've been you've been a, a couple of different resorts, Sun, Sunshine, Lake Louise, and and now you've kind of landed in Kimberley, right? Yeah, yeah. So we moved to Kimberley uh, about, about six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, worked at worked in Sunshine Village uh, for a long time, and then and then Lake Louise uh, after that, and then uh, and then we moved out here. Um, uh, which was uh, which was definitely a bit of a change of scenery from Banff and Canmore, mm-hmm. um, and and now in Kimberley. Uh, so there's a ski resort in the town itself, and then we're about an hour away from Fernie, which a lot of people have probably heard about. And yeah. Panorama is about an hour the other direction as well. Okay, so I'm... lots lots of good skiing in a, in a short area. Yeah, yeah. We swapped some when we when we did have the, the the technology working. We did swap some video, and it looks basically like you you know. You walk outside your uh, your back door and there'd be like bears and stuff there. Like you're, <laughs> it looks beautiful. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, yeah, you know, it sounds a bit cliche, but yeah, we uh, we're, we're pretty pretty lucky here. It's uh, you know, it's still very nor- uh, very raw. You know, very natural here. We we've got a lot of bears going on right now, actually. Um, yeah. So uh, from the back of my house here, there's we've got a small hill behind us which has. Uh, uh, one of the telecommunications towers on, uh-huh. uh, but when it when it snows in the winter, I can I can skin up to the top of that and ski all the way back down into your backyard. Oh, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. But you're not yeah. normally skinning in the backcountry. You're normally doing uh, you kind of specialised in freestyle. Is that right? Uh, yeah, last couple of years I've been I've been definitely getting into that freestyle uh, world a little bit on the coaching. I, mean, I think I've been you know I think I think what's been nice at Kimberley is is managed to find a little blend of everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, last season was doing some CSIA you know level one kind of courses, uh, then doing uh, you know men's ladies day kind of private lessons, and then freestyle uh, coaching uh, mixed into that as well. So a little bit of everything, which I think. To be honest, is probably is probably what I've been searching for. Yeah. Um, you, know, you, you know, it's not to say that you don't enjoy doing some of the lessons now, but I find it quite demanding if you're just teaching adults permanently and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, 
I think just having a mix of that uh, certainly makes it a bit more. I think it makes it more more creative for myself, and I, don't, I think it's just more enjoyable. Yeah, no, that is cool. No, it's nice to have a mix. It kind of keeps you fresh. If you just do the same thing over and over and over, you can get a bit stale, can't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think you know you just see different things. You know, you know, obviously ski instructor. Um, you know, when you're teaching those courses, quite. Um, you know, quite methodical in terms of, you know, you've got certain criteria to deliver uh, to the candidates uh, in order for them to pass. And then, mm. you know, in the freestyle world, it's a little bit more open. But again, you know, there's definitely a, a program to follow uh, through their instruction. But, you know, it, it diff- different aspects, right? Um, you know, I think with the, in, the, in the freestyle world, it's, it's uh, you know, for, for most people out in Canada anyway, if you're in a freestyle program, it's really split between um, what we would call a park, and then and then and then uh, you know more professional kind of uh, bumps skiing. So uh, definitely different <laughs> different skills and attributes, but they all blend into one. And you know I find that I you know I end up teaching the kids in freestyle freestyle some some more fundamental skills that I'm teaching in skiing, mm-hmm. and then I'll have a ladies' day program where I'm like, hey, you know what, we're just going to try and see if we can do some one eighties here just to work on some balance. So mm-hmm. I think it all just flows through back into right. Yeah, well, I mean, this is one of the things that that when we were speaking about freestyle, it's very interesting because it's one of the most popular things that we do. Um, within our ski school but only really because it's driven by my colleague Max who just loves a bit of freestyle like it's his thing and over the last couple of years three four years he's kind of created this awesome little club that they have on a on a uh, like a Sunday they go out all day and they just kind of do whatever you know whatever freestyle guys do it makes, yeah. makes me sound rather dated but like you know it's basically a day in the park and the kids absolutely love it and then he tends to get, you know, when we have school groups and stuff, you know, all of the groups kind of want to ski with him because he's just like, you know, he can just do all this kind of amazing stuff um, that some of the other guys in the school can't necessarily do or don't want yeah. to do. And um, it got me on to thinking that it's kind of just not really taught enough in general. Um within i think the ski instructor systems although i'm only speaking with experience of um i'm only really speaking with experience of uh kind of deep experience of the british system and experience of the swiss system although it is it is within the swiss system a lot so you can't get through to a decent level in the swiss system without knowing how to do some pretty cool tricks and it's it's part of it in my experience also going through the British system, there was no freestyle whatsoever in, in that. Absolutely none. And you could get all the way to level four and Eurotest without ever having seen a snow park, which I think is it's pretty bad, actually. You know, like it's... Yeah, yeah no, I hear it. Yeah, it's considering it's the demands of the right? market. Actually, my, my probably first, you know, real... I mean, you know, you'd see things when you were when you were out in resorts, but it was probably in, it was probably in the snow dome in Tamworth, where you know that probably where I started to do some of this stuff. We had mm. a couple of people there that were, you know, really really good at it, and uh, I think it was a Thursday night, something like that, Wednesday or Thursday night. They'd set up this park, and mm. you know, we'd start up, we'd start off with uh, you know doing it with some shorter skis, and then. 
just trying to master it with some bigger skis. And, and I think that's where it started for me. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And at the same, you know, at the time, no one else could do some of the things. So you just thought that you stood out compared to some of the other people you were skiing with. It was yeah. as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I think I definitely left it for a little while. And then, and then, and then you know, you get back into it, depending on which resort you're working in and depending on what kind of park they have, right? Um, yeah. You know, Sunshine's got a huge one now. Lake Louise is, is massive mm-hmm. uh, uh, park. Um, but... I think it's definitely more prevalent here in Canada. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, is it is it part of the? Uh, we'll go on in a minute to talk about what's in within CSIA, but because I'd love a sort of a summary overview of what it looks like. Um, but the the is it a big part of the system there? Like you've got to be able to have freestyle skills, or, or to, you know, to get through. Um, no, I, not necessarily as a criterion. It's definitely coming in more and more, you know, as part of the level, you know, I think as you rise through the levels and, mm-hmm. and when you start to do uh, some off-piste and, and, and more kind of free-run uh, skiing, then that element is in there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what CSIA did is, you know, at the moment, you've if you were going to do your level two, your prerequisite would be to teach, would be, would be to have passed a level one um ski mm-hmm. course or you could do a level one uh park and pipe course so um uh, so there is that element now where you could come into the system through a freestyle uh, yeah. option so that's that's something that's changed in, in recent years yeah well that is cool um and then as a as a uh, you know right now for myself uh you know i'm a level one course conductor but i could also be a level one um freestyle uh, course conductor as well for csia so mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that's something as well that, that that's been opened up a lot more in recent years. Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely a demand from the market for it. You know, for yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's you know, it's definitely big out here. Every every hill that I know of here has you know, you know, they've they've obviously got the the the, the kind of core race program um, as well, but almost all of them now have their own freestyle team that have a big mountain team as well. Mm-hmm. And there's some overlaps in, in those areas, like the freestyle club I worked for last year had a big mountain uh, club as well. And, 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 you know, so a lot of the kids would move in and out of those programs. It wasn't just hey, we're just going to hit rails all day kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. we'd really be everywhere. And I think that's what, you know, in, in the freestyle world, that's what I've seen is it's really, you know, those kids are getting exposed to every every element of skiing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not in a box. The box is just huge. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm guessing the only thing that you're not doing is like piece performance, right? Because freestyle encompasses a huge amount of of stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely. But you know, you know, it, it, I guess the reason I was hired into the pro, into the programs in recent years is because of my skiing background. So mm-hmm. you know, um, what 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 was happening a little bit is is we had kids that could do a three sixty, but in order to get to the park, they were still snowplowing, right? So um, yeah. so it was my job, uh, you know, to bring in some more fundamentals and make sure they just didn't skip that and went straight into 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 you know yeah we can do jumps and different things but we still need to be able to get some performance and understand how the ski works right yeah 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 for sure and also i suppose if they're then going to be exposed to to mogul skiing you've yeah. got to have some pretty serious fundamentals you know that that doesn't all the mogul skiers that i know can ski pretty well um yeah you know uh they, 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 they they're not kind of one-dimensional in that respect 
Yeah, definitely. You know, and if you, you know, think if you take it into, into the sort of, uh, you know, the guys that are getting paid for a living to, to jump off the side of cliffs, you know, all of those guys have just had huge kind of backgrounds within, within either racing or freestyle skiing, right? So I think, you know, you know trying to make that all-rounded uh, skier, I think, you know, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. They can, they can do everything. They can do everything. Um, you know, I've got, you know, as, I, as I'm talking to you here, I can, you know, I can look outside and my neighbours, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the kids, he, I'm thinking he's around about 10 now, um, you know, trampolining every day. Um, mm. He's just got back from a water park uh, program that's been run by BC Freestyle, mm-hmm. um, you know, into the water ramps and, and his kids doing uh, backflips and everything, you know, at age 10. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty unbelievable. we kind of, no, yeah. no, <laughs> no fear at that yeah. age. Yeah, no, no fear, no fear whatsoever. And that, unfortunately, uh, is what happens as as we all get a little bit older now. I mean, you, yeah. you know, I, I certainly uh, the way our program program worked in freestyle out here is is we have uh, you, you know some entry level, and then we and then we're going into high performance, and you know the athletes in the high performance have have already well exceeded my limitations in the park. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's like the, the the sort of the ski instructor's trick, isn't it? When the kids get too good, so, oh, I'll just film you from the side or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, you know, but it, but also just unbelievable to watch. You know, that's uh, great, like you it? said, no no fear. And then you know what I see then is is then we all go into ski in some of the bowls and some of the steeper terrain, and mm. you know you know the kids are. are, are, are taking lines and, and jumping off uh you know rock bands you know it's unbelievable right because they, they've just got that mm. you know that overall control or that overall trust in the skis yeah. you know um yeah and i think i think that's what i've seen and you see that from the from the entry level now all the way through you know um you know when they can ski the whole mountain it, you know I, I just think people just excel so much yeah 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 i agree and it's lovely to be able to give them that isn't it um, yeah, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, it's a it's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing. Um, when and so let let's carry on down this road a little bit. Because I'm curious to to curious to know a little bit more about the mogul skiing. While I've got someone that is you know involved in that, but when you when you're teaching kids about freestyle, like the mogul element of freestyle, are you? Yeah. Are you doing that within the, that kind of very specific kind of mogul, like those formed moguls that they use in the World Cup? Or are you doing the kind of the Canadian free expression in moguls thing? Uh, oh, wow. Um, you know, putting my Swiss hat on right <laughs> in the middle, I would say. Okay. Um, a, a little bit of everything. You, you know, we, we have... Um, you know, a panorama, uh, a fully dedicated mogul run, um, which you know is is certainly up there. You know, this is where people would be doing the provincial um, uh, kind of tournaments on. So you know, it's 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 definitely tough. It's icy. It's pretty hard. You know, the moguls are pretty uh, you know pretty large. That would mm-hmm. be fair to say. Um, but then you know we we'd be training in there, but then also training outside on the hill. Uh, in that, in, in more of that free element, like you said, yeah. So it's, you know, that's where I think there's a bit of a blend in terms of, uh, you know, doing some f- more free style mogul skiing, I would say, mm-hmm. um, and then you know proper competitive uh, yeah, bump skiing, different, right? You know, in the Canadian system, or I guess if um, let's say for example, 
uh, it's a Wednesday and I'm doing a ladies program at Kimberley, mm. you know, we're going to be skiing bumps in a uh, lot more of a, what I would say, ski instructor style, which is more rounded mm-hmm. turns. Yeah. Um, maybe not skiing every bump, but skiing every other bump, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, fast forward then to Saturday and, uh, and if I, and if Phil is in the bump field, uh, with the, uh, with the athletes, then, you know, we're, we're into more zipline skiing straight back, you know, very yeah. little movement whatsoever. Yeah. What, what's the, um, let's take, let's take the kind of the recreational midweek crowd. What, yeah. what are the things that you give them within the mogul fields that seem to make the most difference to their skiing in that kind of environment? Yeah, um, you know, I'm sure we all we all pick up our own little little drills here and there. Uh, you know, I, I'll often start with you know trying to get them not to ski that zipper line. You know, I think that's in everybody's idea or mentality. You know, this is, you know, if I'm a good bump skier, then I can then I just have to do a zip line like you saw in the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, so trying to dial that back a little bit, we'll maybe work on turning on every third third bump and then just bring in that feel narrower and narrower as, mm-hmm. as we get going in um i like to i like to do a lot of bump scheme without poles which might be contrary to, yeah. to, to what people might believe uh really working on highlighting the feet and highlighting the movement um you know i'll, I'll really be, be working on maybe uh, just getting them really moving on that lateral balance right whether it's trying to get them to feel a little bit more forward and vice versa a little bit more back what does that do to the turn what does that do to to the ski mm-hmm. um as, as they're skiing um working on rhythm a lot you know there's been there's been more than one uh ladies camp that i've done in bumps where uh we've all had to pick a theme tune or, or some kind of um, yeah. uh, song of the day to work to, right? You know, mm-hmm. finding that rhythm, finding, finding that, I, I really think works a lot for people. Um, I think in, in terms of that midweek recreational, it, it's making that turn a lot more rounder than, than what people expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I find people are just uh, still slamming on the brakes and just trying to find too much edge uh, performance through the bump, so really softening that off, almost going to the opposite end of that spectrum and, and making it more skidded if that was possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those kind of round lines really. I don't know. I, the, the one I the, the the thing I usually work through is the kind of different lines. I think that gives. Yeah. I think once you can see, I'm sure I've said this on the pod before. I'm sorry, listener, if I repeat myself, but the the. The, the one that I've always found really, really useful is to explain the different lines. And I think once you start to see the lines, then yeah. you can start to execute the different moves that you need in different yeah, situations. I mean, yeah, 100%. You know, there's, there's certainly, uh, you know, myself and another another instructor, we'll, we, we've often worked together in, in uh, on a bumps clinic where, you know, we'll, we'll just be explaining uh, you know, skiing in the trough and skiing on top of the bump, just trying to change where where you're turning all the time. Yeah. Uh, as you go as you go through that, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I like to to teach. You know, I certainly find that I have a lot of good results with people actually leaving the snow. So a little bit more of a donkey kick, that mm-hmm. kind of idea. I don't know yeah. if that's something you've used at all. No. Explain that to me a little bit more. Yeah. So it'd just be uh, you know really getting the the tip of the ski to engage mm-hmm. over the bump. Yeah, so so actually having certainly leaving the snow if you can, yeah. um, but even just simulating that or or initiating that is enough just to get the tips to to engage more and make that turn rounded. Yeah, that kind of bringing the tips back 
kind of the, yeah. the, the, the feet underneath you. It's like a reverse cycling movement almost. That, yes. Yeah. The, yeah. That yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a really useful move. That it's a weird one as well because you don't use that really. Well, you do actually kind of do use it in some places <laughs> yeah. if you yeah. know about that move. But if you're a recreational skier, you won't know that move. You know, like no, you, no, you, you no. have no idea that, that it was even possible to do that thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is, you're right. That is a it's a kind of kind of you sometimes you feel it in powder but not that not that often no that kind of feeling no. of the kind of the snow, uh, everything coming sort of up underneath you you know and every now and then when you're kind of railing it on a on a piece you know like you can you can get that feeling of the ski this you know doing a, a really big cross under almost you know and the ski's coming back underneath you every now and then you get that yeah um, yeah you know in the bumps it's you know it can be just a really good timing uh phase yeah. as well right so you know when you when you do when you're doing something like that or you're going to leave the snow yeah uh people are definitely in, in a much more uh you know better timing and better sequence of events mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Um, so yeah lots yeah lots of little things like that you know sometimes we'll we will you know still go out you know we'll paint a few dots here and there again like you said working on different lines mm -hmm. you know at kimberley there's a lot of bumps uh so it's so it's very uh you know i'd say we build it up you know we're starting on something that's a little bit less um uh steep you know it's still bumps but we really you know what we've got is we've got green bumps all the way through to you know to, to double black bumps mm -hmm. um so, so it's a really nice progression that you can just work on through the day um yeah. so yeah that that's definitely something you know i think if you've got that on the hill it's such a big benefit right yeah 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 i could see that I can see that. Yeah. And then when you're working with the the guys who are doing more kind of zipper, you know, a zip line or a really direct line, that kind of more what you see yeah. in the World Cup kind of mogul stuff, presumably that is about, I'm presuming that they are using a lot of kind of, there's, there was certainly a lot of kind of up and down movement for compression. But in addition, presumably they're looking for opportunities for, edging to control speed in an, in an environment where there isn't that much opportunity to control speed. Yeah, 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 you've nailed it there. You know, it's, again, you know, to a different extent, but that timing um, is it, it, just huge, um, you know, for those guys. Um, you know, they're the really engaging the core. You know, it's very much a straight back, making mm -hmm. sure that the upper body isn't collapsing. That's the biggest thing, uh, you know, that we see. Um, you know, very easy just for you to let that, uh, let your, let your weight move from the hips forward. Yeah. Um, so really just yeah. trying to keep that back a lot straighter than, than what you would see maybe in a ski instructor, mm. um, uh, bump session, um, and really working on that core and the knees and the ankles, you know, we will do a lot of, um, you know, exercises working on ankle flexion, yeah. uh, work, work, working on, you know, pushing the feet forward, pulling the feet back just really trying to get that whole joint area there working. Um, a lot of conversations in, in the boot itself and, and, and what, what are the feet doing, you know, mm. that sort of tri tripod, uh, tripod, I should say, you know, the big foot, little toe heel, yeah. you know, working working on all of those. It's a lot more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, a lot more in, in, internal. Mm -hmm. would be the word the word you're looking for with, with that with that type of athlete you know these guys are skiing hard they're skiing fast and then we're going to throw in also the element now that we have to do a trick in between all that right yeah so yeah, now, yeah right now yeah. it's getting prepared for the jump 
um, mm. what kind of speed are you taking into the entrance? What speed are you taking exiting that bump and then getting back into the next set of bumps? So it's anticipation. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'll often we'll often talk about it as as like playing chess, right? You're thinking three or four moves ahead, yeah. literally all the time, right? So, you know, a lot of psychological things there. I mean, again, you, you know, we're dealing with, uh, with with people who are who are younger, not yeah. feared of not fear of falling, not fear of doing any damage to themselves. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a different, you know, a whole different psyche than 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 the Wednesday when maybe I'm teaching. Um, you know, we have a men's bumps and bruise lesson on a Wednesday, and the majority of those guys are in the late 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. So totally different psychological yeah, yeah. Uh, pro- profile to the Saturday when I've got a 14 year old kid who's, who can already do an inversion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I'm quite good mates with um, a guy called Tom Gherkin Schofield who skis, uh, skis kind of World Cup for Great Britain, and um, right. he. He, I mean, when he talks about the stuff he does, it's just different world. Like you know, pro mogul skiing. It's just it's not, you know, it's not skiing. It's just it's so highly specialised. Um, yes. Yeah. And he's in a, you know, it's it's extraordinary. And the other thing I was going to say about that is I just bought myself weirdly. I just I went to go and get my boots um, set up recently by a secret boot man in Geneva, and. Um, right. A Secret Bootman Geneva did a great job and if you want to know who Secret Bootman is listener you can message me um, but he sorted me out with uh, some great new liners really looking forward to skiing my new boots but at the same time I had a chance to try on um, some full tilt boots which a lot of the yeah, guys okay. use yeah. and I was like wow these are a revelation like one so easy to get on which yeah. <laughs> and secondly the way they flex is really really interesting so I'm very very interested to go and sort of take these out and see what they're like on the mountain um, actually to see if they might even just be like a general kind of year round you know general kind of ski teaching boot because they are so incredibly yeah. comfortable and so quick you know the amount of time that I would save trying to get my feet in and out of liners and you know the head raptor in the car yeah. park each day would be just immense so uh so you're gonna have a look at that this year and just just see what that kind of boot is because i know that's widely used in the in the in the kind of the mobile community yeah 100 percent. you know it's definitely uh you know the boot du jour uh right now um you know it's interesting the weekend because uh, you know, a lot of these kids are, 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 are dual disciplines, so they'll be, they might specialize in the bumps, but they're also in the park as well. So, um, you know, most of them are on the full tilt boot. Um, uh, quite a few of them, uh, you know, are experimenting in almost that, you know, that, that boot now that, that crosses it in between backcountry and, 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 and on piece skiing, right? It's okay. still a, still a higher end boot, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also just a, you know, literally a quiver of skis. So, you know, they've got the mogul skis, um, uh, you know, predominantly, and then also then moving into the park ski. And then if we decide we're going into one of the bowls, they then go and grab another pair of skis as well. You know, it's just, you know, the bottom of one of the runs there is just a full <laughs> array of skis that that, uh, that that would make anybody happy, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you know, we, you talk about that as well. And, and obviously, you know, I uh, I turn up to most of these things in a ski that most of them laugh at because they're too turny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but... But uh, you know, I think uh, you know, for those guys, it, it, you know, the boots. Um, yeah, I would say 
I would say it's probably eighty percent in the full tilt at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be really interesting. I'm just just bought it, just curious, because they were so comfy in the shop. And uh I thought to myself, well, you know, just go for it, whatever. You know, the worst it can do is just sit in the cupboard. But um yeah. I'm yeah. sure you needed another pair. Oh, yeah, I, t- I took a picture. Oh my god, took a picture of my motorbike earlier uh, for something or other I've installed on it, and um, the in the background is just like this wall of skis. And I'm like, I just don't, you know, out of all of that wall of skis, I ski about two pairs of them. I don't know why I'm keeping them all. You know, it's just skis, yeah. skis and boots everywhere. Oh yeah, you, you end up with your favourites, right? And, and that's, yeah, uh, and, and, it, and it is interesting. I mean, I, I think definitely in recent years, I've ended up skiing. Uh, you know, I probably don't need to mention brands and stuff, but no, the particular ma- manufacturer and uh, and they make a uh, what would be classed in our world as a, as a twin tip ski. Um, what is it? Uh, you can you can mention. Just tell me. It's cool. What are you skiing? Yeah. So I, I yeah I ski I ski on the Nordica uh, ski and um, you know the, this this uh, Soul Rider. I don't know if I don't know if you have those. No, I've not heard of that. Too much. No. Um, but uh, certainly for me, uh, you know, it's still it's still a sixteen meter radius uh, ski, mm. uh, so it's still got lots of lots of turn in it. But I mean, I do find it's just fantastic in the bumps. It's just a great all mountain ski. Yeah. Um, that that'll do a little bit of everything, on, right? So I can kind of feel like I can move out of all the different types of lessons you've got and still yeah. be able to achieve something, right? It's nice, Dave, if you can find that yeah. one ski that does it all is Yeah, is yeah, great. definitely. Um, you know, and then I'm sure like all of us, right? And then, and then uh, you know, it still feels great to put on something that's a little bit turnier. And then, again, out here when we do have those big snow days, yeah. you know, big, like, like you said, you know, now I'm getting into a 120 kind of, uh, you know, huge ski. So, yeah. Oh, yeah? You have enough, you have days where there's enough snow to run a 120. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we have some, you know, and definitely some steeper stuff. If if, if we're skiing at Fernie or, or Panorama, you know, if we're if we're in the Tate and Bowl, that kind of thing, it's still nice to to get a big ski out like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Huh. That's interesting. I've I've got myself a ski in the cupboard, which I need to find a binding for. So I've got right. it's like my biggest fattest ski I think I've had for a long time. It's only an eighty nine underfoot, but that'll be more than enough for the sort of skiing we have around here, because we don't get, right. we don't get those kind of days, you know, those kind of mega yeah. days um, very often. And even if there is a ninety, will be just fine for me the way that I I like to ski. But um, the way where you go. Yeah, we definitely got some, you know, there's, there's there's some steep terrain here. I mean, we'll we'll still get some amazing, you know, you know, powder days, uh, sunshine, Lake Louise this year. Mm. You know, was 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 getting snow all the way right through to the end of the season. I mean, you know, it's amazing, really. Like sunshine, you can is open until May twentieth. Mm. Um, so you know, it's a really long season. And, yeah, it is. Yeah, it? they were getting they were getting huge snowfalls there there uh, towards the last few weeks for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I bought these skis because I kind of, uh, I went out on a day, we had a, one of our training days coincided with a really quite a big powder day, unexpected one. And I kind of didn't really, you know, I, for some reason I'd sold my powder skis to somebody else, like just <laughs> like one of my mates. I was just like, why did I do that? So I rock up for this, uh, this, this day on this kind of this pair of 74s or something and all the other guys just sending it on their powder skis. And I'm like, yeah, I've probably got to join this game. Like I can still, I can still do it on a pair of 74s and it was fun because it was quite deep in it, but yeah, 
they it was definitely easier for them and they were able to kind of do yeah. it you know, they weren't working so hard so uh so yeah i need to mount those up at some point with a binding and, and get them ready which is yeah like you said you, you can pull it off but it's nowhere near it you know you get you get a big ski on a big part of day you know it's, yeah it's, yeah it's i think yeah on that particular day it was just too deep to be skiing 74s you know it was just too deep too heavy in certain spots it was like okay yeah, fair enough you know i'll join join this but i'm not going to join it too much i'm not going to go water skiing you know you're right yeah well the, the year before we uh, we have a big cat skiing operation here yeah. um it's it's probably i don't know, top 10 in the world and uh you know during covid uh all their clientele is us based really um yeah. so so they didn't didn't have that audience coming in and uh, so they did a locals uh price um mm. so we, we got a chance to ski somewhere that is way beyond my budget for, yeah. for a very reasonable price. And I turn up with, uh, I got 112 uh, wide enforcer and, and uh, the guy who's leading the group just laughed and said, well, you're not going to do very well on that. What is serious? Get something that was like 125, yeah. What? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, honestly, yeah, yeah. I, like I turned up, I got the narrowest ski out of, uh, you know, 12 people in the cap, yeah. Yeah, but it can't have been that bad. It can't have been so deep that a 112 wouldn't have worked. Sure. I know, it was still, it was still, it was still good, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, just you know, interesting, right? You know, they they just get used to just skiing on that side yeah, ski all day. Yeah. I mean, the terrain is phenomenal. You know, it's like eight thousand acres, just crazy. And do you get that? Presumably, you get the cold snow. Do you like the the yeah, with a lot, fluffy but, stuff? Yeah, very dry. Uh, yeah. You know, we still get that dry snow up here. You know, it's not often wet. You know, as you move further across the coast to Whistler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, you're getting that wetter snow, but here we're, 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 we're dry powder most of the time, yeah. yeah. Lucky, lucky you, because uh, we often get the wet stuff because we're fairly low-lying, you know, and it just, every now and then you get really, you know, in January you get a really cold one. Um, right. And they're the days. But, uh, but yeah, as you go later into the season, it's just wet stuff. You have to ski it all in, like, two or three hours, otherwise it just is, you know, it's horrible. 